This is the Medevac Podcast, powered by the Robert Irvine Foundation. I'm one of your hosts, David Reed. And I'm your other host, Christian Myers. Thank you guys very much for joining us today. If you're new to the Medevac Podcast, keep in mind there's a price for the show. If you get something out of today's episode, you have to share it with a friend or family member. That's just how, that's the price. That's what you have to do. You have to do it. We'll check. We're checking. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, our guest today, uh, we have one returning guest and one new guest. Uh, We've got... Antonio Santana, if uh, you're a longtime Medevac listener, he was one of our very first guests. Yes, sir. Uh, Antonio uh, spent a little time in the Marines and then became a narcotics detective, wrapped up his service, and then uh, ended up getting into nonprofit work. Yes, sir. He now uh, runs Frontline Strong. It's a fantastic nonprofit helping uh, military veterans as well as uh, first responders with uh, free therapy. Then we have Tiffany Juarez, who is the CEO of Battling Minds and a licensed mm-hmm. social worker. Uh, she is the head of Frontline Strong's therapy programs, yes, and they kind of kind of mesh together. We're going to yes. talk about that today. So thank you both uh, for being here. Welcome. Thank you, guys. I would, uh, thank you all for having us, brother. Thank yeah. you so much. The, the last time that we were that I was on here, it uh, really sparked a fire in me. So that's kind of kind of kind of one of the reasons why I kind of started all of this mm-hmm. uh, after. Yeah. All our podcast, I realized I needed to do a little bit more. So yeah. I want to say thank you all for that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I think that's that's what it's all about is just, uh, you know, inspiring others, educating the public and doing what's right. Yeah. You know, for our veterans and first responders at the end of the day. And I, I think initially whenever I left y'all's podcast, like I felt like there was more that I needed that needed to be done. And mm-hmm. as well as, you know, when you have kind of like that fire inside of you that says oh, like, yeah. hey, I... I, I feel like I need to be doing more, especially mm. if I see there's a problem. And initially, it was just uh, we started off as kind of like a podcast as well, kind of like y'all just kind of talking about what was going on with, you know, the frontline community, mm-hmm. uh, veterans and stuff like that. And the way mental health really, really looks like in the aspect of it's not it's not this, you know, sugar coated, you know, mental health like you know what i'm saying like yeah, in society the way it looks you have to like tiptoe around it, yeah you kind of tiptoe yeah. over the, around the problem yeah. it really isn't that way it's 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 kind of it's it's dark um and we wanted to talk about that but mm. the more and more that we were talking about that within the podcast the more and more we realized that there was a lot more that needed to be done and here we are seeing the problem but we're not we're not doing anything more about it mm-hmm. so that's how we kind of Myself, uh, some of the other, some of the other people that were on the podcast, were we kept talking about how, you know, in the frontline community, as a police officer, you know, you 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 see that they have problems, but you you kind of tiptoe around the problem, and and it's more of like a community thing. Like, yeah. you know, if you speak up, you might get you know put in uh, what do you call it, like on desk duty, or it seems more as a punishment than yeah. it is as of. You're you're doing something good, like oh, well, I'm I'm kind of messed up right here. Uh, maybe you can help me out. They're like oh, well, if you are, we'll, we'll take you we'll take you out of your specialized unit. Yeah, well, you know, we'll do something else. So it doesn't feel as if when they're doing that that they're it's it's about getting the help. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. So that's why we kind of created this. I, um, I think that's a really important piece is that we have a tendency to focus so much on the physical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the physical maintenance, exercise, all this, you know, personal health that you're doing. And we don't focus on the mental capacity ever. Mm-hmm. 
And, and you truly hit it on the head when you say you get punished for that. Yeah. You get punished for going to your superiors in the military and saying, hey, listen, like I'm having a hard time right now. Well, let's just strip away your wings. Yeah. You know, you're no longer flying. Yeah. And, and that that is the biggest thing that we, we, we were seeing is that a lot of these individuals were hurting. And, and, and the, the problem with all of this, man, and we, we, we really want to be frank about it. It's it's the it's the community. We we need to change the mentality of the community of what a police officer, a first responder, what they what it looks like when it comes to what's important. We 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 like you said, we emphasize a lot more on the physical aspect and not about the mental aspect. Yeah. These guys see trauma every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single day when they're on shift, they see trauma every single day. And here we are thinking that that they're just going to get over it, you know, and it's not, it's going to build up on them. And it's something, something of what we're seeing now on the, on the uh, statistics of suicides within, within the frontline community, mm-hmm. we'll start seeing more of that for, for suicide. So yeah. it's more and more, more, more and more needs to be done, gets to be done for this. So that's why we, we started this. Hmm. So initially when I started this, I had no idea of how was, I was even going to be able to do providing, uh, free mental health for frontline workers and veterans. Like it seems like a of, I, big undertaking. It's, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. And then for the aspect of, of free is, it's, it's, uh, sometimes it's overwhelming, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, uh, with everything I was able to God put the right people in my, in my, my path and put Tiffany in my, in my path. And the thing about me and her, we kind of look at each other as we don't, we don't well at myself. I don't look at myself as I want a seat at the table when it comes to mental health or therapy. I want to change it. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to look at the gaps, all of the things that are missing that are that are causing our frontline community to suffer, mm-hmm. and I want to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I, I forgot how, how do we call it. So I always say that I'm a change agent. And then Mm -hmm. Antonio likes to say he's a game changer because he doesn't like, (laughs) he's like change agent. I don't know if I like that word. So he'll be like, I'm a game changer. (laughs) And so for me, um, before I met Antonio, I was working with frontline workers Mm -hmm. um, as a licensed clinical social worker with Battling Minds. Um, We started in 2020. Okay. And so I think some of our differences in seeing why frontline workers need assistance is um, I have worked with a lot of different populations, people with severe mental illness. Mm -hmm. My team works with homelessness. um, And we work with a lot of people in the community, um, those who um, are coming out of jail and prison and different places. And then I've also worked for like the city and Mm -hmm. the state and in doing all those roles, first responders are involved in all, all of that. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that Antonio often talks about is the impact that it had on his family when he was struggling with his PTSD mm-hmm. and um, not getting help. Yes. And with his depression or anxiety or different things that are coming up for him. And for me as a licensed clinical social worker, when I look at our system and our overall system, when people are struggling and you're a frontline worker, your nurse, your doctor, your social worker, police, fire, EMS, mm-hmm. and you're not taking care of yourself, we're affecting everyone. Mm-hmm. And in affecting everyone, we continue to perpetuate mm-hmm. a system that is causing harm Absolutely. instead of wellness. And so for Battling Minds, um, 
the work that I chose to do when I started in 2020 was working with frontline workers mm. so that I could impact um, the larger community. And we, we provide services to the larger community as well. Um, but we're very interconnected. Yes. And so humanity, we're interconnected. So when you're not well and you're showing up and, you know, doing crisis or a service for someone mm -hmm. and you're not showing up well, it's going to impact other people. Yeah. So um, I think that's something that is important um, to look at and think about. And as we look at doing more and providing more services, it's also looking at culture. Mm -hmm. So doctors have a high suicide rate. Yeah. Um, nurses, police, fire, frontline workers, we're providing services. But on top of that, um, oftentimes we don't know what's coming to us, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. we're, yeah. we're, I don't, if I'm working in a hospital, I don't know what's coming in. Um, even as a therapist, I don't, you show up in my office. I don't know what you're bringing. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know the feelings the that I'm going to have when you're talking about, um, certain situations that have happened. I don't know how you're going to respond to me. Mm -hmm. Um, as a social worker in the community, I've worked a lot of different places. You know, I've had people yell at me. I've had people threaten me. I've had, you know, just a, a lot of things and mm -hmm. we don't know the circumstances we go into. Mm -hmm. And sure. then oftentimes we're overworked. Mm -hmm. And whether um, you're a police officer, or firefighter, nurse, or doctor, your hours are hard. Yes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't have a choice. Yeah. And I say sometimes, episode, most yeah. of the time, you yeah. don't have a choice. Yeah. And they're like, you're coming today. And you're yeah. like, but I want to go to Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and they're yeah. like, it's not in that red book. Yeah, but I've worked seven twelves <laughs> in a row. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that the more that you're in the capacity to help, the more they expect out of you. I, I feel yes. like um, when it comes to those, you know, frontline positions, as well as the military, they're working you to the end, yeah. to the very end. And, and if you think about it, man, like, okay, so like we, we got some statistics from uh, First Help. Um, so last year, there were 229 police officers that were killed in the line of duty. Okay. 152 of those were suicides. Wow. And uh, so First Help has been collecting data for the last six years. Out of all of those suicides, 300 of those were veterans. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not that, you know, we're leaving our uniform, you know, and then that's it. And some of these people are going into law enforcement and they're carrying as well as that baggage that they had from when they were in the military. Sure. They're transferring over into, well, not baggage, I mean, it's that darkness they had. From when they were in the military, they're transferring over into law enforcement, as well as I did. Mm -hmm. When I was in the military and then I transferred over into law enforcement, I still had that. I still had those issues that I wasn't working through. Mm -hmm. And these are the numbers that we have to look at. So if we don't change the culture of what mental health actually is, and if we don't continue the conversation, then these people, these, these veterans, these people that are suffering are going to continue to think that that is what it is. Mm. I, I, I tell this to one of my one of my really good friends because he's like, man, he's like, he's like, this is, you know, I'm I'm in pain, I'm in darkness. Like, what else can I do? You know, when I was he was he was in these suicidal ideations. It's like the only thing that I can think about is killing myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you have to understand though, as long as you have a heartbeat, you can be able to change your life. As long as you are breathing, yeah. you're able to make a change in your direction. We have to understand that that even if you, we, we went through the pain that we went through and we went through the darkness that we went through. It doesn't have to stay that way. We can, we can finally say, hey, 
you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to have this life anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have this suffering where I am putting it onto my kids or I'm putting it onto my family. That's the reason why we started this, mm-hmm. because it's not just frontline workers and veterans and and that. It, it's all of it's everybody that's impacted with you being in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiffany alluded to one of the things. The reason why I included uh, vet, um, spouses and children. Or because my family was affected with me just being in their lives. So my daughters having me as a father affected the way that they viewed life. The Mm -hmm. way that they they reacted to anxiety or depression. Because I was their father. Mm -hmm. To swallow that pill is extremely difficult. Because I know that because I wasn't strong enough to say I am going to stop this. And I am going to go and get the help that I need. I changed their direction of their of their lives. I, I changed their perception of their lives. Yeah. So that's the reason why this is important. We have to continue this conversation. We have to change the culture. That is the biggest thing. If I could change yeah. the culture with just doing this and being able to be vulnerable with people, I, I, I will continue to do that. And I will freaking shout it from freaking <laughs> uh, mountaintops. You know I, what I'm saying? I think it's a, a misconstrued definition of strength as well that people oh, have yes, buddy. and and that's what we have to do is educate the public on on you know it's okay to show your feelings it's okay to get therapy it's okay to ask for help and we especially push this really hard in the military and we ingrain this into the soldiers is hey suck it up yeah. rub some dirt on it <clears throat> Right. So, so my next question would be to you is like, what are some of the disparages or discrepancies that you're seeing in therapy that we need to see improve? So one of the biggest things, and, and that's one of the things that we talked about initially, when we started this program, I was doing unlimited sessions. One of the biggest things is, is actually looking at the system and seeing why people are not coming to therapy. Mm. Okay. So one of the things that we did is we have a telehealth service. So we have that option for them, right? Second of all, is we provided them, we provide, we provided them with a childcare area. So if some of these people want to come and do face-to-face therapy, but they're like, well, I don't have anybody to watch my child. Yeah. We're able to provide them that. Second, uh, third of all, is that some insurance companies only provide you with what? Six to 12 uh, free sessions or, or sessions, whatever like that. Yeah, it varies based on yeah. the insurance. So we are providing 20 free therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. So that at least, which is equivalent to like six months, right? We talked about six months. Yeah. It's bi-weekly for six yeah. months. So equivalent yeah. to like six months of therapy. At least these individuals have an idea of where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is in, in, in when it comes to frontline, that is what I felt we should needed to do to basically reach out to these people and say, look, all of these barriers that you put in front of yourself, we're removing them. And now really it's just yourself and, and, and a mirror and just seeing, do I really want to get the help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a, an I think... A, additional, and hold mm-hmm. that thought, is an additional barrier would be um, who, who's providing this therapy? You know, my, my, my question would be is what are the qualifications because that's what I look at, and that's what a lot of people look at. Why am I going to go to the VA and talk to someone who just got out of college that has no experience in what I'm dealing with? Why am I going to listen to them? So, and I, I know that's something that you guys work on. Is you know that peer to peer is very very important. Yes, go mm-hmm. ahead, Tiff. Um, 
I have some thoughts on that comment. And then I was going to say that I think a lot of people also don't come to therapy because they're like, I've been taught to ignore my feelings. Mm -hmm. And then because I've been taught to ignore my feelings, I don't recognize that I actually can have control and I can have control and identify my feelings. And then I can make choices that I want to make rather than my feelings making choices Mm. for me. Exactly. And so we're already having a hard time in work because we don't have control, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, you're going to work. These are the hours. This is what you're going to do. You're not going on vacation. And then we also are told, don't talk about our feelings. Don't do this because if you talk about your feelings then you're weak or that. But ultimately, if you actually identify your feelings and you talk about these things, then you gain control. Yes. And control gives you options and choices. And mm-hmm. then it allows you to have a different mindset. Mm. And so I think that's something that people don't think about they're like oh feelings is like hippie or emotional (laughs) and i gotta go cry in an office or something no you don't you don't like i just need you to recognize what's happening with your body Mm -hmm. think about what your feelings are so you can do something about it exactly and then you choose what to do about it and then even if we look at the military or first responders like in the military if you're in a situation and you're able to recognize your feeling and Mm -hmm. what's happening with your body then you can choose, hey, I feel anxious, but I need to calm my anxiety down yes. because I have to be focused. And, and so if you yeah. logically look at these things and process them, then you can work through them. Yes. And but if you ignore it, if you ignore yeah. it and be like, I just don't want to talk about my feelings, then there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And a big one in the military is stuffing it down with some brown, you Stuff know? Stuffing it down with some brown. <laughs> Stuff yeah. it down with brown. Yeah, I've got a great fix for this. It's called whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah so, so those are the things that, and, and going back to what you were saying, a lot of, a lot of uh, Tiffany's therapists have, basically they, the, the frontline community are the people that have been serving. Mm-hmm. So they, and also they, she has some veterans as well that, that are, are therapists as well. So, I, I think that's one thing is that they're, it's relatable. They're, mm-hmm. they, they can relate to certain situations when it comes to the first frontline community and the veteran community. Mm-hmm. And I also think something that hinders people, even though I do have a lot of veterans on my team or people that have been frontline workers mm-hmm. or um, provide services um, and been out in the field, um, I think it's it hinders people to think I can't understand you because I haven't had your experience. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, but I have had feelings of sadness, frustration, fear. Yes. Like, so I can all relative, all relative. I can identify with feeling. Mm -hmm. I don't have to tell you my story, but I can identify with you based on feelings and I can help you work through what's happening with you. So I could be someone right out of school helping you navigate that. And I also think the other thing, too, is like people having a choice, Mm -hmm. like, right. Do you want to work with a male, a female, someone that's a little bit older because you feel like they're more competent or someone younger or you just don't care. Mm -hmm. But I think thinking about your choice and what you want and then looking for that and then trying a different therapist. If I'm not the therapist for you, try someone else. That's Mm -hmm. a very big one. Like, it's okay. And I always tell my therapist and I tell people that come in like, I'm not for everybody. Yeah. And, and that's know, okay. The, and you're not going to hurt my feelings. Go find the right therapist because I yes. want you to be well. Yes. Because if you're well, you help everyone. Exactly. Therapy yeah. is like dating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. It, 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 it totally is in, in that what you have to do is you have to find the right therapist that matches who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, you know, that frustration that you're feeling in the office 
it's okay to have that conversation mm-hmm. and yeah. say, Hey, listen, like this, this is not the one I need a more masculine zone or I need a more, yeah. you know, you know, uh, nurturing zone. Yeah. So, but at the same time too, brother, and that's one of the things that we were talking about. I think a lot of people, whenever they, they think about going and talking about therapy and everything like that, sometimes they minimize their story. So say, you know, some individuals were blown up, shot at or something like that, but in their heads, they think that that those are the reasons why you go and speak to somebody. Mm-hmm. So they, they they bring they minimize their story and say their story is not important mm-hmm. because it doesn't look like these horroric uh, people that you know got blown Movies. up and are yeah. missing a limb or yeah. or something like that. Or so they they say like their story is not important. So why should yeah. I speak up and say I'm I, something's going on with me? Why can't I just you know suck it up? But the thing about it is that uh, these individuals are the ones that they 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 really have a lot more trouble speaking up because they feel like their story is not important. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. a huge You get one. what I'm saying? That's so, a huge and and, and and the biggest thing is that we have and that's what I tell everybody's man, every, all your your story is important. Even if you were a you're going through a divorce, you were in a car crash, you were in through anything, yeah. it affected you. It affected you some way that it changed your perception. Yep. So even these people need to understand that their mm-hmm. story is important. That the things that they went through in their lives is important. And if it affected them, just speak up about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that and I think there's a, a lot of misconceptions with people beginning therapy too. They think that oh, I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna lay on the couch and they expect me to start crying. It's not the case, especially if you go into something like CBT, right? If mm-hmm. you start start at CBT, the first like couple months of, of your entire therapy, you're probably not gonna talk about most of your issues. You're gonna be mm-hmm. learning tool set, tool sets and skill sets on how to navigate emotions and identify emotions. And, and how to navigate that entire area that we've neglected for so long that, I mean, I think everyone in this room is probably guilty of doing that <laughs> yeah. at one yeah. point or another, yep. right? We can oh, be yeah. honest. Um, and I think that's that's a big misconception. People, like, they get scared. They're like, I don't want to go, like, talk to some stranger about my feelings. Like, It's scared. But, Fear of judgment. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. you, it, it you can scary, enter those though. rooms and you're going you're gonna to learn a lot before you start it, to open up. It is scary to be it vulnerable. Yeah, and I, and I, I think a lot of it is like um, I was talking to one of my buddies about this and he was just like, man, well, why should I go to therapy? I mean, you know, I'm going to go in. I'm going to talk about the things that I don't want to talk about. I'm yeah. going to sit there and talk about the emotions and the feelings that I've been holding back and, and hoping nobody can see. Yeah. You know, that is the thing, though. As, mo- as long as we let these emotions be be hidden in a closet, the more and more they have a control over us. Absolutely. When you grab these emotions and you put them on the table and you say, this is what it is. This is who I am. Then they release you. Mm-hmm. And this imprisonment that we have, and I, we, we talk, I talk about this a lot, um, this prison, the, the, these, these chains, these are all these things that we have held back for so long. All of these things that we have shoved into the closet those are the chains that are holding us back. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, as if uh, me going through, and that's, that's another thing that I wanted to say, I'm not saying that I am healed. Matter of fact, uh, my therapist um, had released me from therapy uh, about a month ago. She said that I was great. And in the back of my head, I'm like, man, that's, I don't feel great, but I, I, I guess I'm good. <laughs> She's yeah. telling me I am. Yeah. But I ended up realizing that I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this was like three the, days. The more ago. you search through the closet, if you will, I love that example. Mm-hmm. The more you search through it, the more you understand what is in there that needs to be cleaned out. Yeah. So it, it's very easy to get like on this rabbit hole of change that needs to happen. 
especially as you're doing that therapy mm-hmm. for yourself. And and the thing is, is one of the things that, that therapy allows me to do is that allows me to be honest with myself. Mm-hmm. And me realizing about three days ago that I wasn't good. Mm-hmm. As much as, yes, this therapist is telling me that I was great, I'm not. And I, there's a lot of other issues within me that I need to change, that mm-hmm. I need to still work on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I reached back out. I reached back out to a therapist because I feel... That to me to be the better to be the better person I am, I have to be truthful with myself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us we lie to ourselves and say, "Hey, we're great. I'm I'm doing good. Oh yeah, I might have a little bit of, of you know this this little baggage, whatever like that, but I'll get over that." Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, that baggage becomes bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. And now all of a sudden, you're an alcoholic, or all all of a yeah. sudden now you're mm-hmm. you're all in these other aspects because you're yeah. not allowing yourself to get past those emotions yeah. and, and work on them. One of the biggest things, anything great in life requires work, mm-hmm. requires work, a yeah. marriage, a, a relationship, a friendship, a business, a any degree, hobby, anything, anything. anything. Yeah. It takes work. Mm-hmm. It takes training to get there. And I think that as you get older, a lot of people just are, are done. They, they, don't, they, they don't want to train anymore. Yeah. They don't want to educate themselves yeah. anymore. And they, they stop learning. And that's the really important thing. You know, this closet reference, I love it to death and it's it's really great because you could really get that tangible feel behind it. If I have a closet and I keep adding shit to it, yep. if you ever go into a dirty closet, don't you just be like, oh, this is stressful. Yeah. I'm ex- anxious. Or you're pulling like, shit out there like, oh, I forgot this is even here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't know and, this was here anymore. <laughs> yeah, exact, exactly that. Yeah. And, and, you know, shuffling through that, it takes time. It takes... Uh, you know, that discipline to be able to take that stuff out, reorganize it. And that's what you're doing in your brain as well. And most people don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trained not to do that. We're trained not to feel right. We're, we're trained not to show personality in public. Um, so it's all about retraining and, and to say, yeah, it's okay to talk about who you are. It's, it's manly to talk about your feelings. So it's really funny because in the office, Antonio, <laughs> He's always joking because like in sessions, like if you start crying or telling me really stuff, tough stuff, like I can't like start crying or like, (laughs) it's just, that's not my role. And so a lot of times he'll tell me something. I'm like, Oh, I'm excited, bud. And he's like, you don't seem excited. I was like, I mean, I think this is just like at this point, like sometimes like I have to like re-engage and just be like a human and not like the therapist mind. And then there's like, Oh, another therapist, Eric, on our team. So he's kind of similar sometimes. And Antonio's like, I can't read you guys. I, you have shown no feelings. Really? Yeah. I, I, I hate that because I can't. But we I talk can't. about feelings all day. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, I'm so like, you guys oh, go I'm excited. In. Like, even when he said, hey, you're going to be on this podcast. And I was like, oh, I'm excited. And he's like, are, are you? You? <laughs> you, just, you just had to like train yourself to not yeah. show any emotion yeah. anymore. Right? Yeah. Like, and so it's like, oh yeah. Can't you like... see I'm smiling? Yes. And I'm just like, what? I like, I don't know. I don't know if you're happy now. God. <laughs> Can't you see how happy I am? <laughs> but yeah, man. But that, that's that's kind of the reason why we we started all this, man. Mm-hmm. And and I think the more and more that like I I I see the impact of what we're doing in the last. Man, what, how long has it been? Like six months? Six months. Yeah. Six months. We have about 101 patients already. Yeah. 101 awesome. patients. And we've put out about, and I got to ask her about this because I don't want to like give up. About 250 sessions? 253 awesome. therapy wow. sessions. Mm-hmm. And some of those some of those individuals are 
spouses of, of police officers that you know that we that we lost a suicide some of the children as well yeah. mm-hmm. and and i think one of the biggest things that i've i've realized when i've, I've talked i've spoken to some of these individuals is that some of these individuals that were you know in that in that in that headspace where they were about to commit suicide was this nobody's going to really care mm-hmm. they're going to honor me for a couple of months and people are going to forget yeah. people are going to forget about me and and that always stuck with me because that's the same mentality that I was that I was thinking when I was on the side of the road. It's like nobody's gonna give a fuck. Yeah, you know, I yeah, you might you might people are gonna are, are are gonna grieve me for a couple of months, but then afterwards nobody's gonna care. But the biggest thing is that we don't realize is that the impact that we're leaving on our families, yeah, the mm-hmm. impact we're leaving on our kids, the impact we're leaving on our wives, mm-hmm. and then now everything they have to they have to go through. Now they have to become a mom. And a dad. Yeah. And now the, the the kids, they're like, did I do something wrong? Mm-hmm. There's all these questions that are now become lingering. And all of those questions become pain. And all of those questions affect them later on in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the ones they leave behind. Absolutely. How you affect the community too. Absolutely. So if you, and I always, I know he talks a lot about family, but I think it's very important to understand how, as a frontline worker, someone who's providing services to others, how we impact the community. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if um, people have to show up to the scene, um, people have to manage feelings after that. It could have been someone they worked with. um, And then even if they didn't work with them, now they've seen that. And Mm -hmm. so now they have to work through that. And then, and then that's trauma for them. Something and that's, that they have to go home with now. Yeah, now yeah. they have to go home with that. And then it, it's 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 hard to not think about those things. Mm-hmm. And like as a social worker, um, I'm always talking about how we impact other people and like safety and different things like that. So if I'm not thinking about these things, then I'm not thinking about the wider community and the people that I serve. Like mm-hmm. if I'm going out to spaces that are putting myself in danger or harm's way, then I'm also allowing potentially other people to be harmed by trauma. Sure. Um, and so I think it's important to think about the larger community as well and how that impacts everybody um, and working on getting help and choosing to um, find the right therapist. Mm-hmm. Right. And it yeah. takes time, but you can find the right therapist person get a life coach i don't care talk to somebody <laughs> yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to be therapy like yeah. go go to life coaching and then decide yeah. to do therapy because your life coach is like okay this is like, <laughs> like <laughs> whoa like i don't know what to do about this let's like get some basic yeah. basic structure and then go to yeah. therapy yeah. right what what do you think makes it so hard like you know if you're contemplating suicide you know you're Options have obviously been exhausted. Mm-hmm. Why is it so difficult for them to say, hey, like, let's give this a shot. Let's just like, hey, talk to somebody real quick. Do you think it's access? Do you think it's just giving it, up? It, and with me, I can, only, I can only speak on my behalf. For myself, it was the darkness of telling you that there is no other way. Mm-hmm. Telling me that... Uh, the only way for you for this to go away is is death is for me to remove myself out of this world that's the only way but that's your mind lying to you mm-hmm. and when when i when i always talk about community 
I think us in our communities as uh, being a law enforcement in a veteran community, whatever like that, we are told this and we're repeatedly told this over and over again that the only way to survive is to just let it basically, like you said, stuff it down with brown, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing. But all of that at the, in the last minute, it's we were when we were in, law, in in the military. Nobody ever said initially when we were in. Nobody ever said go and speak to somebody. If you know, nobody mm-hmm. ever said that. It, it was always just stuff it down. Yeah. So when and then also too being being in law enforcement, it was the same thing. It was just stuff it down. Don't talk about it. Sure. Yeah. So if everybody that you know that you've gone through in the military and in law enforcement are telling you just to sh- shut up rub some dirt on it rub some dirt on it and not say anything what options are you really leaving them yeah. instead of death yeah. so this is a failure sh- failure on society's level and, and the thing about it is what does we we have this perception of what what society look what what we should view we, we should be how we look like in society, mm-hmm. okay, all these Instagram reels, all of these TikTok, whatever, everybody thinks that life looks that way, yeah. but yeah. it's not. That is the best possible moment captured on camera. And yes, no, no <laughs> that's one angle. <laughs> yes, yeah. and, and nobody yeah. is going to show how hard it was to show a pic, to take a picture with your kids. You know, and it looks like you're having a great time at the beach, but really, yeah. I mean, the kids it took three were, hours for everybody yeah, to look took, at the camera. <laughs> yes. It is stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Our perception of what life looks like for an individual is completely the problem. It's skewed. Mm-hmm. Mental yeah. health is, and, and, and that's the thing, is like the last few years, I think mental health become now a topic because we are seeing the problem of not saying anything. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the numbers of suicide rates going up. We're yeah. seeing how indivi- how children are being affected in, in, in schools. And I think now it's becoming a topic. We have the data now. And that's the and so yeah, as, we have the data as, as as much as you say that, there are still some some um frontline community that are not reporting it. So like yeah. for firefighters, EMS, corrections, and dispatchers. And I had to check on this because when I was looking at the information, I was like, that just seems like such a little amount for suicide for this, for this uh, frontline community. So for corrections, it was for uh, 2022 was eight suicides, firefighters, 17, EMS, three, dispatchers, two. That sounds, that sounds and way too low. So when I, yeah. when I called Mikey Murata, which is one of our friends who is first help, he said that, that those uh, frontline communities highlight um, they do not report suicides. Why would they? It makes them look bad. It, yeah. it, big time. Yeah. Big yep. time. And and that's the biggest thing. And and one of the things that Mikey said is like, if if individuals out there, you know, um, know of a suicide that happened within those when that within those communities, to report it to First Help because that's one of the biggest things that they do is they have uh, people that, you know, are verify these deaths and stuff like that because the fire departments, the EMS, all of these other other departments are not reporting. Mm. So the numbers don't look crazy because yeah. they're not reporting. Because they're not it. accurate. Mm. Yeah, that's frustrating um, at the very least too is, is you know, when we're, when we're trying to roll the capitalist chain, sometimes <laughs> it's uh, easy to forget about the ones who are, Yes, working for the company, yeah. and 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 for ourselves as as 
me and Tiffany always talk about is that, and I love the way that she said it, is that these individuals are out in the community. And as much as say, if you, you don't think that, you know, police officers, firefighters, all of this, are like, wow, well, they, they need, needed to get over it. They're the ones that are they're providing services to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they are hurting, then the, the services that they provide to you might not be as great. Mm. Yeah. So we're all, like Tiffany said, we're all interconnected within this, within the community where everybody's interconnected. Yeah. So why shouldn't we provide them with the help that they need? Yeah. It's in everyone's best interest. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think like when people get overwhelmed, um, it's hard for them to ask for help. And yeah. so they pile on more and they don't want to talk about it. So they're sure. like, what do I do? My finances, I'm struggling with my finances, or I don't have this, or I don't have that. And then all of a sudden it comes to a crisis point mm-hmm. where they're like, I have no options. Yeah. Or they did try to get help and it might not have been for mental health. It might have been for another sh- stressor in their life and they couldn't find the help. Mm-hmm. And so... When I was working um, with um, the city, I worked very closely with um, safe teams um, and we work with people experiencing homelessness. And a lot of times when I was working with the officers, they're like, well, I dropped them off somewhere. They chose not to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is that systems, a lot of times that are there to provide support and help are like going up against a brick wall. You got to like, you have to fill out this paperwork. You have to Mm -hmm. have this document. You have to remember this. If you don't have these things, then you have to start over and there's a time frame for it. You got to call this number. You got to be on hold for like three hours. You got to stand in this line. You got to do this. Like, and you got to like, just keep jumping through different things. And even for someone who isn't struggling in that situation, it's hard. And so when you look at someone who is trying to get help and feeling overwhelmed. They're like, I've, I've tried everything. Yeah. I just quit. And, yeah. and like quitting could look like, I don't want to do this job anymore. And quitting that, could that look like taking your life. Quitting could look like I'm going to drink. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ruin my marriage. I'm going to not pay attention. I'm going to sleep more. I'm going to be depressed. I'm mm-hmm. going to do X, Y, Z. And then it dramatically changes how your life looks. Yes. That's a, an interesting point too, is, is that's that avoidance behavior too, is uh, the more overwhelming and frustrated you feel, um, the more you're like, fuck it. I'm out. Right. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's, you know, you know, um, there is a police officer from Chicago that he was on our podcast and he, he told me this, this uh, scenario of a police officer that was in Chicago that was retired and he had lost his family because of the job, mm-hmm. um, because of, you know, not getting help and everything like that, lost his family. And he would call in the middle of the night, like at 12 o'clock at night, whatever like that. He was already out, out of law enforcement, so he lost his community. He lost his family as yeah. well. And now he gets out, and now he's left to just fend for himself, try to, try to get help. And somebody like us that doesn't is avoiding that the problem and says, like, oh, well, I don't have a problem. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're not going to go out and get help. So he was calling dispatch at like midnight just to get some interaction with somebody yeah. drunk as hell and was just calling to get that, 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 that connection with somebody. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest thing that I, I've seen that sometimes we, 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 we put ourselves into these jobs, right? And sometimes taking that oath and that's the biggest thing is like, we should, your job should not determine how your life is. You, you being a police officer, you being a firefighter, 
you being anything. It shouldn't determine if you're going to have a great, a great relationship with your family. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have, if you're going to be divorced four or five times, if you're going to become an alcoholic, it should not be determined by that. So we need to do more in um, changing the community, changing the conversation, not just telling them, Hey, I'm giving you the training for this. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's a piece of paper. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, uh, a video that you have to watch. But if you don't believe in that video and if you don't believe in that piece of paper, it's nothing. Yeah, because they anything. will understand that and they will feel that because the community needs to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now these people are taking this oath that says, you know, to protect our community. But who is protecting them? Yeah. If your supervisors and your community within that organization does not believe in mental health and actually really wanting to help you then you're fent- uh, you, you are left alone. Yeah. That is the perception that we need to change. So us providing this and being vulnerable, I, 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 me, and, me and Tiff always talk about this because I feel like I'm very vulnerable. And I always, I, I wear my, my feelings on my sleeve. And the reason why that is, is because a lot of us don't do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of us rather show this, this perception of what a man looks like a mask yeah. this mask and yeah. we and that's the thing though brother that's one of the biggest things is that we go in life we go out of society wear this mask where, where it's really effed up is when we wear that same mask at home mm-hmm. yeah. when we are wearing that mask for our family we when continue we're, we're, the lie ourselves yes. yeah yes and now do yeah. we truly know ourselves yeah and and i think that that is right on the head with that one is do we truly know ourselves and what are we telling ourselves? Yes. You know, that yeah. self-talk, those intrusive thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, those are the detriments to you and that's what's preventing your change. We're our own worst critics. Mm-hmm. We're so brutal on ourselves and sometimes it takes that third party, uh, you know, conversation or opinion to say, hey, you're doing a lot better than you think you are, yes. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But uh, to, to to that point too, knowing yourself and to Antonio's point, so identifying with who you truly are and not being lost in the identity of like that retired police officer who calls dispatch so he can yeah. you know get get a feeling of that camaraderie again. His identity is so wrapped up with I was a police officer that that's how he sees himself and that's yeah. all he's ever going to be, that's all he's ever ever was. Like I was a police officer. So when you're no longer a police officer, who are you? Mm. And that's, I think that's a big sense thing. of purpose. Yeah. So that provided his sense of purpose. Surely it surely did. And I mean, we can all speak to that. Having been in the military, we, we felt that same thing. I was, I was in the air force. I was in rescue. Like this was my identity. And it, for me, it was like from a personal standpoint, like I had so much of my identity wrapped up in being in rescue and involved in this, this community that I love so dearly. And when I'm no longer in that community, then and who am I? Yeah. Right. And I think, I think that that transitional point when you're getting out of the military, when you're no longer being a police officer or a firefighter, or if you know you have to leave those communities against your will too. A lot of these guys have to, right? Yes. They, they incur injuries, whether it's mental health or, or physical injuries, that they can no longer act in these roles. Having an identity outside of that is so important. Having a community outside of that is so important. And there's, there's a lot of ways that we can introduce these communities, but like people, people have to be willing to expand their horizons a little bit and, and open their interests up outside of just being like siloed in one little area. I think something else that often comes up when we talk about building community or 
finding other things to do instead of just like your work and identifying only as your work is mm -hmm. like how you see the world. Yeah. Ooh. So your role in the job that you do um, affects like how you see the world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the different things that you've seen in the world, sometimes I've had people come in and they're like, I don't want to go out and yeah. be around people because I don't like people yeah. or because I don't like crowds mm -hmm. or because like I might see somebody that um, I've encountered before that I don't want mm -hmm. to be around my family or but I think it's really, really important and something that needs to happen within frontline communities is talking about from the beginning, like what is what how do I view the world right now as like my first year in the work I'm doing, whether it's nurse, doctor, police, fire, what does the second year look like? What's changed about me? Mm -hmm. What's changed how I show up in the world? Mm -hmm. Because when I start to identify these things sooner, I can say, is this how I want to see the world? Yeah. Because just because you've seen something numerous times doesn't mean that that's how the world is. It's just mm -hmm. like, that's part of your role. Mm -hmm. And so I've worked in roles where, um, like I've worked for child protective services, long time ago and so i saw a lot of abuse um and i worked on a specific unit so i saw that abuse frequently like every day but mm. the statistics when you looked at it it wasn't happening at the rate that i was seeing it sure. so i had to look at that information so that i could filter that mm -hmm. and from what i was seeing every day and like take that and then do something with it so mm -hmm. that i don't live and change my view of like family or friends being yeah. around my kids mm -hmm. or um that kind of stuff and taking stuff as awareness and looking at numbers and you know i have a lot a lot of veterans or frontline workers to be like i'm gonna sit in a particular place yeah in a restaurant <laughs> right yeah, yeah. yeah. So do and I. <laughs> i'm like okay like if you're in mm -hmm. uniform sure you would like to do that but if you're not in uniform how many how many times yeah has something yeah. happened your whole life? How old are you? And yeah. Yeah. sometimes they're like, oh, I'm like 47. And I was yeah. like, so how many times has that happened? Yeah, they're still like, scared of the dark, huh? Zero. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I'm how like, I mean, just think about it, you it's, know? It's, it's perspective, yeah. I think. And, and what we're talking about now is living in a life of fear or living mm. in a life of love, mm. right? Or uh, awareness. Because yeah. I do think... That love comes with awareness. I do, awareness I do think. and like um, something that I did learn a lot from my law enforcement is situational awareness. Because mm -hmm. when I go out with them, they'll be like, where are we, Tiffany? I'm like, ah, oh. they're like, we died. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was died. like, you okay, passed, you failed you, the test. just <laughs> press the red button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> so like, but situational awareness is important. So the things that you are aware of that maybe some other people aren't aware of, like, Take that into account. Be aware, but don't live in fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and don't take what you do on the job and then be like, this is how I live personally. Yeah. And then I also think, like, we have different perspectives on, like, why I'm doing the work, right? Because mm -hmm. I think about the large, I'm thinking about the larger community and he's like, I need to protect people, right? And mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to protect everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's like our different perspectives on things. And I think one of the ways that we can protect, regardless of who it is, is being aware of how we see the world. Mm -hmm. And yep. then being like, is this how I want to see the world? Is this accurate? Doing some research. Yeah. Like, are the mm -hmm. statistics correct? I can say, oh, this is true. And I'm like, let's look at the numbers on mm -hmm. that. Yeah. You know, or reality, even questioning right? like, 
has anything ever happened to you at a restaurant? Absolutely not. Okay, so let's look at that. Like, and let's look at statistics on Mm -hmm. that. And then let's question ourselves. Sure. (laughs) I think a big point um, that you know some of the topics I've been discussing over the last few months is is just reevaluating your goals too. You know, and and like in the military, yes, situational awareness is important. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, where's the exits? Blah blah blah. (laughs) You're very right in the fact that. Yeah, how often has the armed intruder came into the restaurant, right? (laughs) (laughs) Not very often. But, you know, I always chalk that up to, that's good training too. Being situational aware Mm -hmm. is very important, but letting it control your emotions Mm -hmm. is where the problem lies. Mm -hmm. You know, I could be aware and have a good time and knowing my exits, but I don't have to expect the bad guy to walk through the door at every Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. You know? And one of the things you said about goals... um, Sometimes when you're when you're in darkness, you don't even know what your goals are mm-hmm. because you you are more focused. And I I tell this to everybody is like they're like, well, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I can get out of this. And I, and the the reason why that is because we're focused on the problem. We're just focused on that darkness, and we don't realize that there's been light around us the entire time. So whenever we, when I, whenever I tell somebody like, well, you know, I'm telling you there's light at the end of the tunnel. They're like, well, I don't see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Prove it. Unf- yeah. Re- let, let your eyes refocused. Let your mm-hmm. eyes refocus on something else. And I am telling you, you will start seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And that's it too, is the path is sometimes too overwhelming mm-hmm. and all too consuming to understand that there's light at that end. Yeah. So sometimes what we got to do is look down and put one foot in front of the other. And then eventually we see the path that we're paving. That is exactly how you start. And, and people say like, how do you start? You just start. Yep. I, I had no understanding of how it was going to start anything like this. And when people asked me like, how'd you start this? I was like, I just started. Yeah. You know, I, I realized that there was a problem and I needed, I, somebody needed to fill that gap. And I just did it. And the thing is, is I've had the right people around me the entire time Mm -hmm. and nothing, nothing that I have done. I have not had the right person in my life. And the reason why that is, is I always, I'm I'm a faith believer here. So I always feel that God placed everybody in my life to be able to create this. The day that I met Tiffany, I had another individual that I was going to meet. I was texting two people (laughs) at the same time and I didn't save their numbers. Right. So the other person didn't have they didn't have therapists. They didn't have a therapy community that I can, you know, that, that could help me create this. Mm-hmm. And when I ended up meeting up with Tiffany and I was just thinking, oh, well, I'll meet this person. I met her up and I'm like talking to her. I'm like, holy crap, this is not the person that I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And when I started talking to her and I started giving her like, okay, this is what we want to do, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, I can do that. I got therapists. I got, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> God placed the right people within my life to be able to create this. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I'm not saying that everything that I've, that I've done is because of pure will and myself. It's the right people around yeah. me to be able to create this. And I think that the reason why that is, is because there's a bigger purpose for what this is. Mm-hmm. It, and mm-hmm. that purpose is to provide light into somebody's life, to be able to give them that perception of one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm of just starting yeah. that their darkness is not their end. And that this world, that this, this, these lies that have been told to you over and over and again, that is your mind that they are just lies. Mm. And there is a better tomorrow. There is a better tomorrow. And all you have to do is 
just start. Yeah. Yep. Just raise your hand. That's like with any I, injury as well. You know. I think something that I do talk about that maybe is a little bit different from like the darkness and light is that like I want to focus on choices, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And giving Personal you power and choices because you can have darkness and light. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can be in darkness for a, for a long time. I am not going to promise someone, hey, you're going to get out of this because you show up here in therapy. You might still be in darkness. Yeah. But you're going to start having choices and more control. And then you're going to understand things. Yeah. Yep. And then you're going to walk to something else. It could be a very dim light. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It could be strobe lights. Yeah. It could be like colorful lights that are yeah. really cool. I don't know, but there's choices and mm-hmm. with choices comes control and identifying things to help you work through stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you're going to have a better tomorrow, but I know that you're going to have choice mm-hmm. and you're going to have the ability to navigate things a little bit yes. different because you can identify your feelings and because you can, process things and you know that you have resources that you didn't have before because i i just i don't know what your tomorrow is going to look like antonio Mm -hmm. has been blessed that you know in his journey that his wife stayed with him it was tough Mm -hmm. you know and in his continued journey that Mm -hmm. his kids are still talking to him and engage with him and his kids love him you know and that's that's not everybody's story it's not and that's that's okay. It doesn't mean that your story can't continue to be yeah. different. And we and should never compare that. as well. No, that, right. We shouldn't compare. But we never do compare. That a lot. And everybody does <laughs> it. Everybody yeah. does it. I think I think it's really important to note that it's okay to be going through a dark phase. It's mm-hmm. okay to be yes. in your darkness because that adversity that you're facing, if you have that perspective and realize that that is a learning moment for you, mm-hmm. you are going to come out stronger. That's the power mm-hmm. right there. You, you know, take the power right my, back. My brother, you you hit it right on the head, brother. I, that's one of the biggest things that we have to understand, that your darkness, you have to be able to grab that and you, utilize it as a learning lesson. So that yeah. chapter in your life, and, and a lot, I have had this one friend of mine, she was like, she's like, I just want to forget about these chapters, these, these past chapters in my life and just push forward. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why mm. would you want to do that? Nope. Those are learning lessons. Those are vital to the structure of your foundation. And mm. guess what? That is when you are the most yourself. Yes. <laughs> that is who you are right there. And if you could embrace that and realize I'm learning more about me right now than anything else, the power that you have is incredible. And, and one of the things that, that, that Tiffany was talking about with, with choices, I think one of the things that you get with choices is you get hope. You know, the more choices you have, especially, especially if they're good choices, like, you know, being more present with your family, you know, going to therapy, working out, all of these other choices that you're putting into your bag to be able to help you go through, uh, through your dark phases, whatever like that. Mm -hmm. It gives you hope. Yes. It gives you hope that this, this thing that you thought you could never get over. Maybe you can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel. And exactly how Tiff said, maybe it's dim. Maybe it's very, very dim, but you see something. Mm. And now you got that hope that you will be able to get past this. That is the biggest Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. That first choice can be really difficult for a lot of people, too. You can't sit there and convince your buddies or convince perfect strangers to go to therapy or to start making these right choices for themselves because it does start with a really big first one, that first personal choice to make the right decision, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't drink tonight. Maybe I should talk to somebody about how I've been feeling lately. Maybe I should do this. 
and crossing from zero to one is, I mean, that's, that's huge. That's the hardest part. And there's no way to properly, there's no guidebook for this. There's no hand handbook for this. If you know someone who's going through this, you can lead a horse to water, but it's their choice to begin making the right decisions at at the end of the day. That's the hardest part. And for for the most part too, is, you know, making that choice is, you know, that support system that you said too. Uh, you know, having that proper support system around you to help guide that individual to make the choice is paramount. Mm-hmm. And, and and I and, and that's the thing, like within the last few months, like I, I have been incredibly blessed to have the people that I have around me, uh, to have Tiffany, to have Danielle, to have Eric, to have Jerry, to have all of these people that God placed in my life. Because trust me, man, going through this and, and building something that I had for, for one, I had like, I had no belief that I could be able to do it. Mm. And I always have that secondary person inside me, that darkness person that tells me like, man, you're not the right person for this. Mm. You can't create this. Intrusive thoughts. Yes. All these things that just come into my head to make me doubt. Bullshit. If I, yes, if I, if I can even be able to do this, Mm -hmm. but then I have the right people around me to tell me, no, you do, you do have the right things. You do. You are the right person for this. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like having a good structure, a good foundation of people around you yep. mm-hmm. and having like, and I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm never, I'm not saying that my relationship with my wife is, is a hundred percent, but we have a better relationship than where we were at before. Sure. Mm-hmm. So communication has been better. Yeah. So those are things that we need to do. And, and you're right when it says the first step is the hardest part, mm-hmm. taking that first step to be able to say that. Maybe, maybe there is something else. Maybe I don't have to be like this. And that's scary because yeah. all you've always known is your darkness. All you've all, yep. ever known is your pain. That's so exactly that is it. extremely difficult because even though the other side might look greener, the darkness feels more comfortable. Yeah. It's that gratification, feels, right? <laughs> if I do pain nothing, it feels more comfortable. Because usually, you, know that, well, you know what that pain is. Yeah, I can stay here that, all day. Yeah. Yes. You can yeah. sit there all yeah. day because you know yourself. Mm-hmm. What you're, you're going to react, how you're going to react. Yeah. You know how that is, but you don't know how it is to be in these green fields with these trees and yeah. it's all cloudy and yeah. it's nice over here. You don't know how that's going to feel, but you know how it is to sit in darkness. You know how it is to, to feel that, but you don't know how it is to be over here. Yeah. Usually the hardest decision is the one to go after, you know, if, the hardest thing that you could do for yourself is probably the route that you should take. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, like, like you said, your reference is like, Hey, today, you know, I'm not going to drink today. Today I'm going to make the, the shake and, and, and get to bed at a decent hour. Yeah. Like that's not comfortable. Yeah. You know, if you're used to drinking seven days a week, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, you're used to polishing off a bottle at night and making that just a small difference, a small change in your life will have a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and, and, and it doesn't have, that, that's the thing that when people look at the, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, is you're, you're focusing on such a huge, vast goal. Like the light at the end of the tunnel is, is your completion. That's, that's the journey. Yeah. Right? What we got to do now is focus on the small tasks, right? Focus, focus on the little, and then eventually years go by and you look back and you're like, holy Dude, shit. Crap. Yeah. I had an incredible change. You know what's crazy? You got, is, is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. 
also i think you got to have the right people so finding the right therapist or yes. support groups yeah. i've had people come to therapy that. and yeah. they're like i'm gonna start exercising because i need to for this because maybe yeah. they're on admin and so now they're like i haven't been doing this and mm-hmm. i'm feeling depressed and xyz they come in for a few sessions and they're like i'm like did you exercise did you go walking did you do something yeah. they're like nope and i'm like we're going to yeah. do a walk Every and talk physical session. therapy uh, yeah. uh, like, patient out there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go do walk and talk today. You're yeah. going to start exercising. That's and they're great. like, what? Accountability. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, either you're going to do it like you said, or we're going to do it here. Let's go yeah. walk. Yes. You know? that Accountability. Is, that is and huge. I think that's that's important. I was like, or you yeah. could keep doing the same thing and I'll listen to you every week and you tell me the same thing. I mean, yeah. we could do that if you want. And they're like, all right, fine. Which And accountability is huge. And that's that's one thing that, that I, I loved about therapy was even with, with my, my closest friends sometimes wouldn't hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Like I would be, like I would need to. Like I would need to have, right? It's not not like I asked them for it, but I know my therapist. If I ask them to hold me accountable for something, there's no question. There's no friendship in between me and that person. Mm-hmm. They call me on my shit. Yeah, and that was that was the the very first thing when I first started going to therapy in 20, 2018. Um, I sat down with I was I was a brand new with a brand new therapist. Actually, she was in her PhD residency. So today, to your point, Dave, um, like having somebody who you can reference and somebody you can uh, relate to in certain aspects. It, it can be good, I think, but for me, it, it wasn't what I needed. I didn't need somebody who could relate to the things that I've been through. Yeah, yeah. I need, needed somebody who knew the shit that I didn't know, and that was all the tool sets and the skill sets and somebody who would hold me accountable. Those are the two things I needed in a person, and she was that person for me. And yeah. like I told her, I, I need you to call me on my bullshit and hold me accountable. And if I if I fuck up. I need you to rub it in my face or I need you to, I need you to you know, belittle me or something. I don't know. Like, be mean to me. I don't know. That's all I yeah. know from the military. Yeah. You know, and, you know, tell me about my childhood dramas. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy though. It's but that's one what of the helped. things that yeah. you said, um, polishing off a bottle or, you know, drinking seven days out of the week, whatever like that. Mm. It's crazy how that is more acceptable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is more acceptable than going and getting help. And yeah. that is the, that is the community. That is the perception that we need to change. That okay, so what do I need to do if I need to fix this problem of me feeling a little bit anxious or depressed or you know have these these symptoms? What do I have to do? Oh, go polish a bottle. Mm. Go 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 drink seven days a week. Mm. Numb that emotion. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I hated when I when I started going to the VA. Is initially whenever we started, they were like, okay, uh, we, we're not going to have a therapist for you for you know about a month. So let, let's just put you on medications. Yeah. The medications and, would drive fuck. me absolutely nuts. And that is the crazy. Okay, let's just numb what and you're that's feeling acceptable. right now. Yeah. That, and, and that's what it is. Yeah. They're just numbing let's you. mask these problems. They are just numbing you. Yeah, yeah that's that, totally unacceptable. That, let's not talk about it. Let's just numb you first, and then you can start talking about yeah. it. Yeah, I see this gaping wound you have. Let's put a Band-Aid over it, come back in a month. I'm like, that's, that's not going to do anything. I can't tell you how many times, you know, like, still currently, to this day, I'll go to the doctor's office, and they'll be like, okay, well, here's a prescription. I'm like, you took three minutes to triage me. Like, we haven't talked about any of this stuff. And then, you know, it's it's medications that contradict each other, you yes. know. And uh, like, you know, I, you know, I don't want to, I'm not going to mention any names for sure because I love them because it gives me whatever I want. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a, um, a mental health uh, provider as well that will give you prescriptions to Adderall and Ambien. 
<laughs> and it's like you know, and and it's like let's 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 boost you up for the day and then knock you out at night. Yeah. And it's just like okay, where's the time for my my mental health? Yeah. Because now we're 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 chemically inducing our brain to hit a different uh, you know physiology. And is it is it the right thing to do? So this this medication crisis, the prescription yeah. crisis in this country is 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 exactly that. Let's mask it. Let's yeah. not yeah. let's not face it. It's let's just. So what's what's, what's, the, under the road? what's the difference Fear between feelings. alcohol and Fear feelings and that and prescription drugs? Just that. What's the yeah. difference? It's like, the same thing. If you're on it's SSRIs for ten years, it's the same thing as as drinking yeah. for ten years straight. Like it's you're, the you've same never thing. stopped to take the time to address the actual underlying issues. Yeah. Yep. Like, could you have a chemical imbalance? Sure. I mean, absolutely. More more than more likely than not, and like these studies are published. The brand new studies showing that SSRIs are actually more detrimental in a long-term effect greater than a year. If you're on them for more than a year at a time, you will have like depleting returns. Great documentary on Netflix, by the way, oh, that yeah. just came out about the this. Xanax. Yeah, um, uh, the, what was that one called? Something about Xanax. Xanax, on, I think, on Netflix about all the people who were prescribed Xanax over the last twenty years and how. Once you start Xanax, you can't get back off of it because your anxiety skyrockets. Methadone as well. I yeah. mean, we're we're doing this to addicts now. We're taking away what yeah. you know, and it, it's just it is is quite insane. But that is a topic for another discussion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole two hour, three hour discussion. A, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that you know you know uh, antidepressants are bad, but that that's the first step that they took. You know, let's not exactly what you said. Let's not talk about what's going on with you. Let's let's just. Let's just medicate you. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. Are you okay over there? Oh yeah. I know. Adjusting. Make a huge noise over there. Adjusting my microphone. Oh, that's great. Um, you know, I we I think we should definitely do this more. We should have you guys back on um, you know, to 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 really talk about uh, the difference and the impact you're making. You know, six months still relatively um getting into the feel of things, but two hundred plus sessions is amazing. Yeah. Hundred plus uh, individuals that you're impacting. It's incredible. Um, love to have you back on and, and really continue this discussion of mental health in the future That's because right. it is, it, I mean, our audience is eat, eats it up, you know, it, and, it, and it just goes to your point is, you know, you don't have to be a military. You don't have to be a frontline worker. Like, yeah. you, you know, you could see your best friend get hit by a bus, yeah. like walking down the street and that feelings that you're having internally are the same feelings that I was feeling at war. It's mm-hmm. just interpreted in a different way and we can't compare our stories to others. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just having you guys sit down and talk about this stuff, you know, our audience is going to be like, you know what? Maybe it's time mm-hmm. for and, me and to one, go. One of the things you said, brother, everybody's darkness is different. Yeah. Everybody's darkness is the same. It's different, but the feelings are the same. Yeah. The emotions you feel from that darkness is the same. Mm-hmm. So that is what I can relate to you about. Exactly yeah. what Tim yeah, said. Exactly. That is what's relatable. Yes, our stories, the situations may be different, but the pain and the, the, the emotions that you feel from that situation mm-hmm. is yeah. the same. Yes. Yeah. Anxiety. Fear. All, all these emotions that you could associate, it, it has nothing to do with the definition of what happened. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the result of. It's the result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sir. Um, we have, um, I know we're going to be wrapping up, but we have a event coming up in February yes. where we're going to be teaching tactical skills to frontline workers on mindfulness, meditation, yoga, and how to use those skills like on the job. Mm. 
um Mel's yoga. Um she is amazing. Yeah. She and is amazing. she helped us create it. And also I'm gonna throw in there that it's eligible for T Cole yeah. hours. So you will get the hours you need for licensing for, for licensing officers. purposes. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. Um, we're working I, I think on you know getting Mel. it for other um frontline workers too. Okay. Um, but right now for T Cole, we have that. And then we're gonna look at um, for firefighters and different things like that, so oh, we can amazing. give them. What's the date certification? again? February fifth. If you guys send us the information, we'll make sure to drop it down in the description yeah. so they yeah. could uh, check it out. But That's uh, here in San Antonio. Yes. Okay. With, uh, with the PTSD Foundation. Okay. Excellent. Amazing. And yeah. then, uh, as well as, for, so like with everything that you know we've been talking about, so our our uh, nonprofit, we take every, we we pay for all of this through donations. So yeah. If any of your listeners would like to donate, they can go to frontlinestrong.org and they can help us continue this mission. Is that just right on the homepage? They can yeah, donate there, directly there? There's actually a link right next to it where it says free therapy. There's mm-hmm. a link that says donate. Excellent. And then there it kind of brings, it describes on how many people they are actually uh, helping mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. their donations. So yeah. there's like three tiers in there that they can do like monthly repeat donations, whatever like Excellent. that. But that's how this gets this gets is able to happen is mm-hmm. through donations. Okay, so, and amazing. if they need to apply for the programs, they can do that right on. Oh your yeah, website right there. Well. It, and yeah. it, we we have one of the things that I pride ourselves. Well, we pride ourselves in is that we're able to get these guys seen within two days. The that's VA huge. system yeah. right now takes about three months. Yeah, mm-hmm. some some situations that I've I've heard it's been a little bit longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've been able to get um, our individuals seen within two days. Okay, mm-hmm. that's phenomenal. Amazing, yeah. Amazing. And then you guys are also on social media. Yes, sir. If, you know, uh, yes, that's... we're on Frontline Strong. Uh, Frontline Strong nonprofit. Okay, excellent. We'll have uh, links for that in the uh, in the description for all this. Excellent. Yeah, thank you guys very much no, for joining thank us. Thanks for joining. Thank you, brother. Yeah, it's been huge. Uh, this has been the Medivac Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. If you got something out of today's episode, make sure you share it with a friend or family member. And I'm sure you did because this was an awesome episode. (laughs) Do us a favor. Go to our Instagram page for our latest Medivac updates. It's just Medivac Podcast. We're going to be keeping you guys in tune with the latest and greatest upcoming things. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.